0: In Ukraine, COVID, the Biden presidency, and the elections. You are listening to the John DePetro Show. Well, good afternoon, folks. Right now it's one hundred and six, and you're listening to John DePetro Show on ninety-nine point nine FM. This portion of the program, folks, is brought by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, forty Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Stop in and see them at the Lodge Pub and Eatery. 40 breakneck hill road in lincoln now tonight they will be rocking with of course celtics golden state that was a really funny story that i'm going to read in just a moment but catch all the action in the lounge or maybe this afternoon they're right off of 146 delicious food don't forget they're also connected to k's of course the winsocket institution stop it and see them at the lodge pub and eatery 40 breakneck hill road in lincoln you know what i do want to um, just read quickly. Uh, I think it's interesting. The January 6th committee is hearing, and they're really interesting going after and trying to say that President Trump was was turning the crowd against um, Vice President Mike Pence. So, um, but I want to just get to Beth Tadell, I've actually had her on the program. She works for the Boston Globe, and I I was just laughing. Reading this because, and it, it, it's, it's pretty quick, folks, but it has to do with exactly how uh, the 76ers, their team and players, how they feel about um, the Celtics. And the name of it is yesterday. Is it time for Boston, except we're not classy? Heck no. jeez Boston gets a little passionate about the celtics and suddenly the snowflakes are all over us apparently we're not quote classy sure fans were a tad impolite to golden state warrior power forward draymond green in the heat of last week's game three and true we chanted draymond sucks and something else that rhymes with that but he's got a potty mouth too they were they were actually chanting Blank you, Draymond. Blank you, Draymond. Boom, 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 boom. Blank you. And yes, a Fenway, they write, Beth writes, a Fenway sports bar used a sandwich board to taunt both the wife and daughter of Warrior star Steph Curry. And the girl's only nine years old. But what are the chances she saw it? And sorry, maybe it's actually true, as the sandwich board asserted, Curry's wife, quote, Aisha Curry can't cook. (laughs) Who cares? She's a known cookbook author and TV cooking personality. I love that. That sandwich board put that up. And the thing with the duck boat tour guide. Bring it on. Microphone in hand. Stuck in back bay traffic. What What was he supposed to do when he spotted warrior head coach Steve Kerr? Blow him a kiss? So the duck boats, they were yelling at him. Let's, uh, let's let Michael Bryan, the guide, huge sports fan, take it from here. I immediately start going on about you know what we're doing these duck boats. Steve Curran, he recalled saying that we're going to have our victory parade in these. And okay, so maybe a couple of people are parading around in bright green t-shirts that read "Draymond sucks," and there was a time when that was considered not. That was considered. Not a nice word. Maybe it's time now. we we'll welcome to the real world. We'll acknowledge the sports director from a Beria TV station, Jason Dumas. Did mention something on Twitter about hearing from multiple Warrior staffers. Their experience here in Boston has been crazy. One told me I had to take off my dub shirt Wednesday morning because I kept getting cursed out. Another Warrior staff member said I've been flipped off 17 times. <laughs> And perhaps a few fans did not read a bus carrying war family members in genteel fashion, per their assertion, a tweet by Sidell Curry, Steph Curry's sister and wife of warrior guard Damian Lee. But rude gestures are, are simply how we say hi around here. According to a tweet, that's how she interpreted it. I'm curious if the people flipping off the family bus think it's the players they're flipping the bird to, or no, it's just family So maybe we're not behaving like we're in a, and she writes, effing library. (laughs) But, hey, no less of an arbiter of good taste than Adam Silver, the NBA commissioner. So no problem with the fun we're having when the Warriors came to the garden last Wednesday. I want fans to enjoy themselves. I mean, of course, as the league office, you want to see it done with respect for all the participants. But I get it. I love the energy Boston fans bring. But listen, who doesn't get it? Warriors guard Clay Thompson. Here he is in a press conference. We played in front of rude people before, dropping F-bombs with children in the crowd, real classy. Good job, Boston. And it was the same story from Coach Kerr, classy, very classy, he snarled underneath his mask at a post-game press conference. She writes, I'm sorry, but how have people not noticed how seriously we take conduct I have recently learned the Garden put an NBA conduct advisory on every seat in courtside proximity. We encourage you to enjoy the game, cheer for our players and team in a respectful way, it reads in part. What if chanting the F word is how we enjoy the game? (laughs) Never mind that maybe it's not the people in the $2 million court seats that are causing the problems. The Garden also runs pro decorum messages and fan text hotline multiple times per game on the jumbotron but the Warriors leading the best of seven series three games to two of course will be respectful towards tonight's game game six the outcome of which only determines our entire lives if we win there's a game seven if we seem to be losing we'll stay classy all right boston style so uh that should be interesting tonight i think that is really funny and you think about it, folks, it's just something about the Northeast, whether it's Celtics fans, Phillies fans, uh, the Bills Mafia. I um, I don't know. I think it's, it's all, um, I think it's all, I, I mean, I find it obviously comical. And I love the fact that they were just taken aback, uh, almost like in disbelief of how they have been treated. So... I want to play a little of, um, as we speak, the J6 hearing is underway. And I just want to get to this part that they're getting to right now about, um, although I have to watch some of the language that they play. Uh, they're really going into the element regarding, they're trying to say that that President Trump was in encouraging the crowd to go after and was flaming the map on on mike pence um i am obviously not convinced of that uh i um i i I really believe a lot of this is just they simply don't want President Trump running again in twenty twenty four and I also want to mention folks and again good afternoon at at one fourteen on this on this Thursday I also want to mention that I, I think the Elon Musk endorsement of Florida Governor Ron DeSantis I think that that's really significant Elon Musk carries a lot of weight with a lot of younger people all right I want to dip in just a little bit Judge J on the, um, on the leading leading this is the, in the hearing of j6 G- he i want
1: to hear a little bit of president ron reagan and george hw just Bush. a little bit folks he was appointed by the latter to serve on the u.s court of appeals for the fourth circuit where he served from 1991 to 2006 he provided critical advice for vice president pence regarding the role of the vice president in the joint session of Congress shortly before that fateful moment. He's written that the vice president does not have the power to select the next president of the United States. He's also written that that contrary theory espoused by one of his own former law clerks was, quote, incorrect at every turn. We're also joined today by one of the people who was with Vice President Pence on January 6th. Greg Jacob was counsel to Vice President Pence. He conducted a thorough analysis of the role of the Vice President in the joint session of Congress under the Constitution, the Electoral Count Act, and 230 years of historical practice. But he also has first-hand information about the attack on the Capitol, because he lived through it. He was with the vice president, and his own life was in danger. I will now swear in our witnesses. The witnesses will please stand and raise their right hand. Do you swear or affirm on the penalty of perjury that the testimony you're about to give is the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. So help you, God. Thank you. You may be seated. Let the record reflect the witnesses answered in the affirmative. I now recognize myself for questions. In the United States, the people choose our representatives, including the highest official in the land, the president of the United States. The American people did this on November 3rd, 2020. But President Trump did not like the outcome. He did everything he could to change the result of the election. He tried litigation, 62 cases, in fact, and that failed. He tried to pressure state legislatures to reverse the results of the election in their states, but they refused. He tried to enlist the Department of Justice in his efforts to overturn election results, But officials leading the department refused to comply. So eventually, he latched on to a completely nonsensical and anti-democratic theory that one man, his own vice president, could determine the outcome of the election. He wanted the vice president to unilaterally select the president. This theory that the vice president could unilaterally select the president runs completely contrary to our constitution, our laws, and the entirety of our American experience. But that didn't stop. That didn't matter to President Trump. I would now like to explore how President Trump came to latch on to this ridiculous legal theory that the vice president can select the president of the United States. Mr. Jacob, How did this theory first come to your attention?
2: The first time
1: that I had a conversation
2: with the vice president about the 12th Amendment and the Electoral Count Act was in early December, around December 7th. Uh, The vice president called me over to his West Wing office and told me that he had been seeing and reading things that suggested that he had a significant role to play uh, on January 6th. Uh, in announcing the outcome of the election. He told me that he had been first elected to Congress in 2000 and that one of his earliest memories as a congressman was sitting in on the 2001 certification um, and he recalled that Al Gore had gaveled down a number of objections that had been raised to Florida. And he asked me um, mechanically, how does this work at the joint session? What are the rules? And I told the vice president that, um, in fact, I had a fairly good idea of how things work, that actually there aren't rules that govern the joint session, but what there is is a a provision of the Constitution that's just one sentence long and then an Electoral Count Act that had been passed in 1887. I told the vice president that I could put a memo together for him overnight that would
1: explain the applicable rules. So, Mr. Jacobs, when you looked at this theory, what did you conclude?
2: So, we concluded that what you have is a sentence in the Constitution that is inartfully drafted. But the Vice President's first instinct when he heard this theory was that there was no way that our framers, who abhorred concentrated power, who had broken away from the tyranny of George III would ever have put one person, particularly not a person who had a direct interest in the outcome because they were on the ticket for the election in a role to have decisive uh, impact on the outcome of the election and our review of text history um, and frankly, just common sense all confirmed the vice president's first instinct on that point. There is no, Uh, justifiable basis to
1: conclude that the vice president has that kind of authority. Thank you, Mr. Jacobs. Uh, We will hear more today about how, despite this conclusion by you and other top legal advisors, the former president used this discredited theory in his campaign to pressure the vice president to decide the outcome of the presidential election.
0: All right. I can. I um, folks, again, I thought I would dip in. It's just more of the same. Uh, I don't think we're going to hear anything new here. They're just trying to frame this a certain way. I I just there's, there's only so much of this. You know, I figure it's happening now. Let's maybe catch it in real time and maybe there will be something that will be different. But I also, by the way, I, I don't I don't get the whole thing of Mike Pence running out of there. I think the look look, look at comparing and I, I know some people may say that this is not a a fair comparison, but, but you know, look at look at Zelensky in the flak jacket of like, I don't need a ride. I need ammo. What if Vice President Pence with his Secret Service team went and said, no, I'm going to confront these people. They're Americans. No, we're going to deal with it like this and try to engage them a little bit. What if, in fact, they had spoken to them outside? the capital in some way. I think a big part of this crowd just felt that they were being ignored. And as a result of that, that's what kinda kicked things into action a little bit. So I'm I'm not I'm not convinced of that. I I we know that the move to just ignore them, we know how that played out, that's for sure. But What if he had played things a little bit differently? Now, folks, good afternoon. Right now, it's 123, and you're listening to the John DiPietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. This portion of our show is brought to you by It's My Health. Now, listen, on this Thursday, as you heard the weather forecast, a little partly cloudy, good day to maybe run some errands. A Father's Day is coming up on Sunday. Pop by It's My Health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland, our friend Marie. She has a great selection. You know what makes a great gift? A gift certificate? Maybe get your dad a massage or something to help him relax or your grandfather. Father's Day is Sunday. They also have great, you know what makes a great gift? Local maple syrup or local honey or how about some nice herbs, teas and spices? A nice thoughtful gift, natural skincare products, essential oils. Get him a massage. It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland, diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant, right in that historic white church. Stop and see the Queen of Health, Marie, at It's My Health in Cumberland. Folks, as always, I encourage you to visit the website, dpetro.com. And don't forget to petro.com, which is brought by Surplus Provisions. Listen, we don't know where things are going to go, but you need to protect yourself, your family, your business. Stop in and see Tanya and Frank. There's a link on the website to petro.com. Quality military surplus, tactical, survival gear. They're one mile from Garden City. Pontiac Avenue in Cranston there's a link they also have a great Facebook page it's surplus provisions alright I want to go to a little more sound of the day in, in where these hearings are going I believe what's really happening is they're just this is all being done to they are afraid of President Trump I believe running again in 2024 I, I, I just think that's what it's all about um In the backdrop of that, you have Elon Musk endorsing, saying he would vote for Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. I think that's really interesting. You um, how about even and Ron DeSantis saying he welcomes the African-American vote? All right. This is a report. I think it's pretty good on what this hearing today is all about. And I've met him and interviewed him. It's uh, John Carl with ABC. Trump pressured Vice President
2: Mike Pence to block the certification
3: of the election. Chief Washington correspondent John Carl has exclusive new images of Mike Pence on January 6th. And what we know about the testimony we're hear from Pence's inner circle. Good morning, John. Good morning, George. These never-before-seen photos of Pence and his family that were taken on January 6th provide a fascinating window on the pressure campaign that Pence was facing, a pressure campaign that ultimately led to uh, threats against his life. The photos from January 6th that you've never seen, obtained exclusively by ABC News. Vice President Mike Pence just whisked off the Senate floor by the Secret Service, huddles with his brother and his daughter, the fear visible on her face. Second Lady Karen Pence is seen closing the curtains as the mob of rioters storms the Capitol, fearing they would see her husband. Minutes later, Pence and his family were taken to a loading dock beneath the Capitol complex. Late that night, tweeting these pictures with the Capitol Police. During the siege, the crowd of Trump supporters was searching for Pence after he rebuffed Donald Trump's demand that he attempt to overturn the 2020 election. The January 6th committee's Republican vice chair says they will prove that Trump agreed with those trying to get Pence.
4: The president responded with this sentiment, quote, maybe our supporters have the right idea. Mike Pence, quote, deserves it.
3: Trump denied that after the committee's first hearing. But listen to what he told me just two months after the Capitol attack. No, you I heard those chants, he, that was terrible. He, was, you know, the, he could have, well, the people were very angry. Saying, hang because it's, it's common sense, it's common sense that you're supposed to protect. How can you, if you know a vote is fraudulent, right, how can you pass on a fraudulent vote to Congress? But the vote wasn't fraudulent, and Pence's role in certifying the election was only ceremonial. Trump's White House lawyers, aides, and Pence himself had told Trump that. President Trump is wrong.
2: I had no right to overturn the election.
3: Trump ignored all of them and launched an all-out pressure campaign against Pence, even issuing this warning the day of the attack. Mike Pence is going to have to come through for us, and if he doesn't, that will be a, a sad day for our country. Because you'll never take back our country with weakness. You have to show strength and you have to be strong. After the Capitol was cleared that night, Pence returned. This picture showing him working with his daughter on the speech that he would give as Congress reconvened to certify Joe Biden's victory.
2: To those who wreaked havoc in our Capitol today, you did not win. Violence never wins. Freedom wins. And this is still the people's house. Pence
3: himself is not testifying today, but he has given a green light to all of his senior advisors to cooperate with the committee. You will hear from several of them today, both in live and recorded testimony, George. And John, the committee also has new evidence that Ginny Thomas, the wife of Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, was involved in this effort to overturn the election. Uh, Ginny Thomas is a pro-Trump activist with extreme views. Uh, We already know that she had been in... Communications with White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows and Republican legislators. We now know the committee has in, in their possession uh, emails between Thomas and John Eastman. He was the lawyer that was pushing this whole argument that Pence could somehow single-handedly overturn the election. But George, I don't know that those emails will be a major part of this committee's investigation.
0: John Carl, thanks for your full coverage. I don't think it will be, and I don't think it came into play. Again, folks. Good afternoon, right now. At 129, you're listening to the John DiPietro Show on AM 1380 and 909.9 FM. I think an effect that this is having is with all this noise, I think the real desired effect here is they are just trying to frighten people off from President Trump returning in 2024. And we still have a long way to go. Let's see how 2022 plays out. Every single day, people ask me, you know, what do you think? Would you support President Trump? Would you support Florida Governor Ron DeSantis? It seems to be those two. I'm not, nothing against Mike Pence, Vice President Pence, and nothing against how he acted on that day. I, I just don't think he's, I just don't think he's the right guy. Um, I don't know the answer to that. You know, it, it would be a shame. Like many of you, I wish the two of them would run as a ticket. Even though for that to happen, President Trump would have to declare New Jersey as his state. Instead, you can't, you're not supposed to have two people from the same state. They'd both be from Florida. And, um, you know, uh, Cheney, when he, when Cheney was going to be the vice president for President Bush, he then had to claim Wyoming as his. State because otherwise they both would have been from Texas. So I I, I know people and again I I just it's a still a long way to go. Um, you know, in, in let me answer myself on that. It is and it isn't <laughs> because actually next August will be the the uh, Iowa straw poll. President Trump may announce by the end of this summer that he's running again. Ron DeSantis needs to be a reelected governor in this fall, which I believe he will be. And then he's got a free shot. And then into the new year, I wouldn't be surprised if one year from now, maybe even in the spring, you start to see some element of a bunch of Republicans on stage in a debate. I think so. I think Vice President Mike Pence is going to run. I think Chris Christie is going to make a run. I don't know about Ted Cruz. Possible um, Rick Scott of Florida, but the 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 two that I think are the early favorites. Obviously, it's still President Trump's party, and I think Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. I don't know, and I know some people, and you're not wrong, that would maybe like the two of them to kind of run together. But I, from what I understand, that's not happening. Things can change, things could change. Um. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know. That would be interesting if President Trump ran, DeSantis was his VP, and with the, almost the agreement of just one term. But I, 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 I hear that things are not good between the two camps. Maybe it could, hey, maybe it could be patched up. You know, LBJ and Kennedy, they certainly didn't get along. Um, Regina, Governor Raimondo and Dan McKee did not get along. So maybe it's still early and something, some kind of a truce could be worked out between the two camps. Now, folks, right now at one thirty-three, this portion of our program is brought to you by Yankee Tree. This is who I use. Let's just say now on this Thursday, they've been doing tree removal since 2006. And you can call them and get a quote Yankee Tree twenty four hour twenty four seven emergency service. Um, get a free quote with Yankee Tree. They do tree removal, stump grinding, tree pruning, emergency service. They they do it all. Yankee Tree. They're reliable. They're dependable. Located in Northern Rhode Island. And again, their website is yankeetreeservice.com. But call them, 401-439-6028. 401-439-6028. Whether it's tree trimming or tree removal, they get right up in that bucket truck. Stump grinding, tree pruning, bobcat service, and emergency service. Yankee Tree. 401. You want someone you can depend on? 439 6028 And they're also, you know, properly insured. They're the tree trimming experts that you can depend on. And it's Yankee Tree Service. 401-439-6028. This, to me, is in fact, uh, this is when you want to, you know, maybe have some work done now regarding the trees around your property. You don't want to have to um, wait you don't have to have to wait until the fall or then if there's talk of a hurricane. But they're fully insured. Hey, get a free estimate. Licensed arborists. It's Yankee Tree Company. 401-439-6028. Well, right now, folks, and again, it's 135. Good afternoon. You're listening to the John DiPietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Remember, visit the website, dipietro.com. And I also... I want to remind people, you know, you you not only want to make sure you're protected, your family's protected, your home and business are protected. I highly encourage you to contact Allstate Lock. Because if anything, they have security cameras. Why not have security cameras installed in and around your property they're more and more popular now. 401-349-0042, Allstate Lock. Experts in locking systems, building security, and online at allstatelock.com. Or you can call them Danny Gruslin, 401 So now locally, uh, you know, as much as, as I said earlier, Governor McKee is touting the the fact of these unemployment numbers. But as I've told you, I, I don't think they're real. And if you're a business right now, I mean, is there anyone that that really feels right now? Everywhere you go, that the worker shortage is is still it's still a problem. You know what else? As I've said, folks, there's a problem where children are under attack. Look at this headline in the Boston Globe: Former Salem gym teacher, thirty sixth, thirty six years old, charged with sexually assaulting ten female students. You know, you have the North Kingstown coach. You have now the Salem coach. Like, what? Children are not being protected. Former gym teacher in Salem was arrested Wednesday morning. Alleging he sexually assaulted 10 female students enrolled there between 2015-2018. Joint statement, police school officials identified the former teacher, Daniel Hakem, North Andover. 32 counts aggravated indecent assault, battering a child under 14, pled not guilty, blah, blah, blah. Ordered held $200,000 cash bail. His next hearing August 8th. He was the phys ed teacher at the school, 2015-2018. 2018, the reports of improper conduct were brought to the attention of the Salem public school officials. Um... The statement continues. immediately removed from the school, suspended pending an investigation. He ultimately never returned to the school and was separated. But this, this was four years ago. How long did these investigations take? I'm just, I, I do not understand that. I repeat, how long? He pled not guilty in December to seven counts of indecent assault and battery on a child under 14. The December case involved one alleged victim who was indicted on the additional counts Wednesday. Nine more. I mean, this is a serial predator. And then tonight, um, tonight, Channel Twelve. You know, Tim White. He's going to have some of those those uh, male students that were in North Kingstown with the naked fat test coach. It is. It is absolutely. Well, I thought it was indefendable, although as I've already talked about some of the people defending him, I, um, I just don't understand how, you know, this type of thing. Apparently, some people say well, it wasn't even a secret. It was an open secret. Who Who's in charge? I also want to mention right now, 139. I saw some of this with. There were people, their first defense is try to try to defend the school. Their first defense seemingly is to try to defend the individuals as opposed to let it play out. I, I mentioned, you know, there was the there was some parents complaining to me, is that a week ago, two weeks ago now, of the kid was threatening to bring a gun to school. Yeah, that's right. I think it was over Memorial Day weekend. And, um, and 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 were parents started attacking. They didn't want any type of attention on the school. They want any type of discussion about that. Now I also see this story in the Boston Globe. First of all, that vigil plan for that three-year-old loyal, loyal boy. Ah, oh, listen, they're three. Somehow he was escaped from, brought to the home of a babysitter. He went missing Tuesday morning from the backyard of his babysitter's home. Got dropped off there at 7 o'clock. Was last seen in the backyard at 9.15. He's three years old. He was reported missing at 9.30. And then the body was found Wednesday morning shortly after 1 o'clock. His body was found Wednesday, excuse me, shortly after 1 in the pond. 650 feet away from the babysitter's backyard. His body was found close to shore in five feet of water. Ugh. Divers had previously searched the pond after he went missing, but didn't locate him. Investigators don't know how he ended up in the pond. He was likely on the move. I don't understand. He's three. got to watch them. Ugh. One woman upset, wondered if anything could have been done differently. (sighs) Dropped off at the babysitter's home. He's in the backyard. I don't know. Did the babysitter have to go to the bathroom? Babysitter get a phone call? Dropped off at 7. He's in the backyard. Last scene, 9.15 by a neighbor. And then he went off on his way. He's three years old, fell in the pond. <sighs> I don't understand. I mean, I was, was there a gate? Was there a fence? He escaped. You got to watch him. Look how quickly that went south. Look how quickly that became a very, very tragic situation. I also want to mention, folks. Right now, one forty-one. Um, Stefan Pryor is the head of Rhode Island Commerce. The guy is like beyond overpaid. I I don't see it. He's going to run for treasurer. He's still negotiating with this stupid soccer stadium. And I also disagree. The the like. I think Mark Patinkin of the Province Journal. I have known Mark for a very long time. He's been a columnist for a very long time. But he he wrote a piece in the Province Journal, kind of akin to, you know, it, it is is Rhode Island going to lose another? I think is Patinkin going to lose another stadium? Look, what it, it's it's a money pit. What I don't why why should why should he's a developer he wants to build a soccer stadium he feels a soccer stadium would be successful why does the state have to get involved why does the city have to get involved the, the costs are not going to end you know of course he's already back and they're going to come back again <laughs> Um, I, I don't You know what else is comical? And I I, I just don't understand this. You know, sports radio is returning. 790 the score. So they put out a YouTube video. The media sees it. The media starts to report on it. (laughs) And then it says the program director didn't return a message. Like, uh, what? What? How do you not return? And I know Doug. How do you not return a call? Don't you, aren't you trying to you've already launched the youtube video what do you think's gonna happen they're obviously what they want betting money here which is fine but i don't <laughs> I, you don't want what people want to do a story on it you won't return a phone call on it have a have a statement have a press release i don't know what to tell you who released the video on youtube Responding, They're doing you a favor. It's called free publicity. I, I just don't understand that. I mentioned earlier, folks, a body was pulled from the water in Warwick, but it was the um, not Charlotte Lester. That case, that missing case continues. It's a missing person case. I get asked about it every day. My answer is the same. People also wonder about some of the dangers, some of these edibles. How about the bus driver claims he didn't know his gummy snacks included THC? Did you hear about that, Connecticut? He blacked out. Commercial bus driver, 38 counts of reckless endangerment. Oh, I I didn't know the gummies had THC in it. Stopped the bus on the side of 95. He was slumped unconscious in the driver's seat open package of Smoky's edibles. Cannabis infused fruit chews. Tests show he had a high level of THC in his bloodstream. What a surprise. He told the judge, I had no idea I've been snacking. I thought I was eating regular candy. It's not the best defense I've ever heard, but it's a defense. Been driving for them for 10 years. He doesn't drink. He doesn't smoke. He has a sweet tooth. He likes candy. Well, you know, this whole business of, you know, this wouldn't have happened a few years ago. Now this stuff's in, in everything. Well, no, that's, that's not true. <laughs> it's not in everything. If, if, here's, a, here's a hint. If you purchase cannabis edibles, ready? Here's the spoiler alert. It's going to have THC in it. If you buy gummies that don't have them, then they don't have it in it folks tonight game six celtics warriors in boston celtics need this game then it goes game seven eight o'clock sunday night father's day and then the game switches back to um switches back to golden state or golden state closes it out tonight in boston Either way, um, this is a joke. Rhode Island unemployment rate falls below 3%. Then why are there still so many help on that, that That's not a real number. They're not adjusting to real numbers of people that are just no longer in the workforce. Much like they're no longer adjusting to people that claim to be homeless, but they're really just people who just don't, they just want free rent. If you don't want to work and you want the state to pay for your housing, that doesn't make you homeless. That makes you someone who's unwilling to pay rent. So, this business, how many people right now? There, there are people, they're, they're no longer working. You know what else? Something else I want to mention folks at 148. I, I The number of people that are on disability. It, it Think of what disability started out with. I, I, I meet people all the time through the course of the job. And again, good afternoon at 148. You're listening to the John DiPietro show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. And then I find out from various people, people I'm interviewing, people that I meet that I'm investigating different stories and cases. No, they, they just get the monthly disability check. They, they're perfectly fine. They they could work. But again, it comes back to if you pay people not to work, they're not going to work. Uh, this this you know, everything granted to people and everything becomes the protest and the chanting and housing is a human right. And God, we need more free housing. That means those people, they don't work. They get used to it. Why should they go to a job? They get a disability payment. They get EBT cards. And then they just choose not to work. Folks, this portion of the John DePietro Show is brought by Competition Shooting Supplies. 435 Benefit Street in Pawtucket. Firearms, accessories. Sunday is Father's Day. Arms for all skill levels. John Francis is so knowledgeable. Stop in. We'll talk to him tomorrow. Competition Shooting Supplies. 435 Benefit Street in Pawtucket. You take the last exit of Rhode Island. Exit 2A. And then you just go past the Attleboro train station. And then you hang the left at Newport Avenue and Benefit Street and you'll find competition shooting supplies, preparation ammo, firearms. Remember, he'll also buy firearms off of you or if you can sell them at competition on consignment. It's competition shooting supplies. Well, folks, good afternoon. Right now, the time, local time is one fifty. And you're listening to the John DiPietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. I um, I like to be optimistic, but we have to deal in reality. But that Elon Musk, Elon Musk, saying that he'll back DeSantis, I think that's significant. Wow! Listen to this headline. A billionaire bought a Florida home last year for $94 million. He's now selling it for $175 million. That, there's no way that that goes through. It can't. That's not real. A billionaire bought a Florida home for $94 million last year. He's selling it for $175 million. Massive oceanfront property in Malapan. The pro- priciest home ever to sell in the state. I, but now he, I don't, are they selling it or do they have a buyer? Billionaire internet entrepreneur Jim Clark selling an oceanfront estate for around $175. The deal's expected to set a record. Yet to see a home sell for more than 130 The off-market deal's expected to close this week. Oh, wow, he's already closing it. He bought it for $94 million March of last year. Not identifying the buyer. 16-acre property, Barrier Island, Manalapan, south of Palm Beach, previously owned by the Ziff Publishing family. Clark said he and his wife bought the property as a spur-of-the-moment purchase when they thought they were going to live in Florida most of the time. Fell in love with the aesthetics of the home, but as the year went on, they decided to stay in New York. They have a home in Bedford, which is in uh, Westchester County in Manhattan. Enrolled there, two young daughters in a school there. He also sensed headwinds in the world's economy, thought it made sense to sell. In the end, we thought, sort of thought, how much will we come down here? I knew there was someone who wanted it. I beat them to it. Let's see if they want it again. Um, He updated some of the mechanics, made no major changes. It's a phenomenal piece of property. You can't find anything like it in Florida. Property spans the width of the barrier island. 1,200 feet of ocean footage. 1300 on the intercoastal. What a turnaround that is. So far, Palm Beach seems immune to recent slowdowns in luxury sales. Earlier this month, an oceanfront mansion in Palm Beach closed for 85 million, less than a year after selling for 64 million. In May, the number of contracts signed, single family homes priced above 10 million, more than double compared with May of 2021. Folks, it's got to come crashing down at some point, right? It has to. There's no way all of this can just continue. And I'm looking at a headline right now, 152 on this Thursday. Dow drops more than 600 points. Tech shares slide. Dow falls back near 30,000. Crypto investors are spooked. They should be. Workers don't feel quite as powerful as they used to. Mm. Mortgage rates hit five point seven eight highest level since two thousand eight. Folks, everybody's gotta chill out. But we need some we need some leadership here. <laughs> We're not getting it. Biden is so not the answer. And I don't think McKee is either. You know, I don't get all the everyone was cheering for Phil Mickelson at the um, at the U.S. Open. And that is amazing, by the way. Boston Globe has tremendous coverage of the U.S. Open in Brookline. And the weather is... is let's talk, I think the weather's going to stay like this, by the way, which is good. Let me just check the uh, weather forecast for the next couple of days. Um, let's see. I want to just um, double-check weather forecast for the next a uh, little bit of rain tomorrow but all in all a, a nice weekend so but the coverage right now of the of the um has been really really uh so far is excellent you know that it, it is I'm not going to get into it but it is interesting what's going on with golf and um in the whole situation with this new Live Rory McElroy finishes at three under his afternoon golfers tee off. All right, so so that's from the from the U.S. Open. I want to play a little more sound, folks. Again, good afternoon at one fifty-five. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM thirteen eighty and ninety-nine point nine FM. This portion of the program is brought by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, forty Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. The Lodge Pub and Eatery. They will be rocking tonight in the lounge with the Celtics Warriors. Now, Channel 12 is reporting the 15-year-old boy who was rescued last weekend at Lincoln Woods has died. So that's very, very sad. I know he was in critical condition, and it would seem that, tragically, he has passed away. I want to just quickly play, this is a piece on the housing market, on the the current housing market right now that certainly seems like it needs to...
4: 25% Up 25% from a year ago. The average one-bedroom apartment now $1,700 plus a month. But some consumers are finding ways to make it work. When Gabby Saw scored an internship at Stanford University in Palo Alto, California, finding an affordable place to live was crucial. I was thinking about staying on campus or maybe renting a studio, but living by myself was too expensive. But with the price of an average studio apartment in Palo Alto nearly $3,400, up 9% over the year, she needed a different option. And that's when she learned about Brownstone Shared Housing, a startup offering sleep pods in a communal home. For $800 a month, Gabby has a private sleep pod and access to a shared kitchen and living space. Basically, that's where I spend my time, where I sleep, where I do some research. I thought I would take more time to adjust, but actually, it was very smooth. The shared home is occupied by 12 residents, including co-founders James Stallworth and Christina Lennox, whose own housing insecurities led to the idea for the business. We've definitely received a lot of applications in the hundreds because the Bay Area is so unaffordable right now, and this is a really great option because there's no security deposit, and so it's super accessible to people. Rental prices hit a new high for the 14-month in a row and are continuing to surge.
2: During COVID, people's rents were going down drastically, 20%, 30%. And a lot of landlords took major hits, and they're now trying to recoup some of their losses.
4: Across the country, people are finding unique ways to combat the increases. In Chicago, where the cost of renting a one-bedroom apartment has increased 13%, Eric Ziegenhagen decided to move into the spare room of his lifelong friend, Sarah Dandelis.
2: It's a great opportunity because we're all spending more on everything else than we thought we would have been three months ago, even. Mm funny to kind of come back to the roommate situation yes. but i think it's necessary rents are just outrageous
4: and the Kreb family from fayetteville texas who gave up renting after seven years and converted a shed into a tiny home to save money for their forever home
2: we're definitely seeing a trend of people downsizing people are trying to be creative and and work with the smaller spaces
4: as for gabby week one in her pod has been a success
0: you know, folks, you just, you're going to hear more of this. All right, it's 1.59. It's John DiPietro. Uh, coming up, you will hear the 2 o'clock news. And also, I will be doing Facebook Live later. Tomorrow, we are uh, back on the radio at 11. As always, visit the website, dipietro.com. If you want to reach me, if you'd like to uh, get a, um, get in touch with me, go to the website, dipietro.com. And then you just click on Contact John if you want to hear any of the program. Just go to the website and then under radio show, you can uh, just, it's all archived in library fashion. Enjoy this Thursday. We're back tomorrow at 11. Stay tuned for the 2 o'clock news.